One of the greatest needs in our day is, of course, to see the gospel being proclaimed into the hearts and lives of men and women. And maybe it's wrong to say that of this day, because that is always the greatest need of our world. We may decry all the sin of our world. We can look upon our own society and we can speak about how things are in a very bad way. There will be many who will propose all kinds of solutions to the difficulties that we face and so many fronts. There will be people who will want to change society by manipulating facts. But in in reality, what people need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we need to be praying for and seeking is that there will be a new focus on honoring Christ and honoring God and that we in our lives will make this good news of sin forgiven known to others. Others who are on the broad road that leads to destruction. And in these evening services we've been looking at the book of Acts and we find here the spread of the gospel. So far, up until chapter 9, we have been able to follow the way in which the gospel has been advancing in power under the working of the Spirit. As the apostles preached the message, it was accompanied by miraculous signs and wonders that testified to it being the same work of God that Jesus Christ himself did while he was on earth. The message was not a new message, but the same message Jesus brought. And we see it spreading abroad, particularly, I suppose, among Jews, but among all kinds of people. But the Jews, even as we see here, Peter still has a mindset that we are God's chosen people. And this message is for us as Jews. But as we turn now to chapter 10, we come to what we might call a step change in the advancement of the gospel. Here in this chapter, the conversion of Cornelius is accompanied by the vision given to Peter, which marks, we could say, a new stage of progress in the Christian church. Old barriers are broken down. Jew and Gentile alike are to be welcomed under the good news into one fellowship through faith in Jesus. And from this point on, it is clear that there will be only two categories of people that really count. There will be those who are in Christ, following him, whatever their background may have been, And there will be those who will have rejected him or who are not in him. And here we see something of the promise of God to Abraham being worked out and expanding even further. For remember how God spoke to him that he would be the father of many peoples. Indeed, they would be numbered as the sand on the sea or as the stars in the sky. And here we find that Expansion taking place. I have headed this evening uh, as address as as led by the Spirit. Because what we find here is the Spirit leading 
Peter into an understanding that the gospel is to go into the hearts of all. And we find the Spirit is leading Cornelius as the one through whom this message, if you like, is to be worked out first and foremost. Perhaps one of the lessons before we go any further that we need to remember today is that there are only two categories of people in this world. There are those who belong to Jesus Christ through faith, who have come to a knowledge of Christ and his saving power. They are true, believing, God-fearing people. Christ-believing members of the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what their background has been before conversion and entering into faith. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter uh, whatever, what, whatever they have done previously. It is all swallowed up by new life in Christ. And so that's one category, the believer, the kingdom of God. But the other are those who have rejected the gospel who continue outside of Jesus, who are blind and lost. And we need to remember, as the kingdom of God, which we are part by faith, our, our desire, our service to God is to go and tell those who are still lost. It doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor, educated or uneducated. doesn't matter what country they may be from, If they are without Christ, they are without hope in the world. And the message that we will see this evening surely shows us that we are to make no distinction in declaring the truth. And we need to declare it faithfully. The greatest need of the man and woman on the street is that they will be brought to Jesus. Because they are on the broad road that leads to hell itself without him. And we need to pray that they will be led by the Spirit to hear the message of the gospel. So what does the story of Cornelius and his conversion bring to us? Well, it brings hope and it brings an expansion of the gospel. And as I thought about this story, I could see four different scenes You might imagine this as someone uh, making a film of this particular story. And there are four scenes that he will have. First of all, he starts in the home of Cornelius and the vision that he receives and how he's praying and then sending for Peter. Then he might uh, go and have a scene, uh, the second scene, at the house of Simon the Tanner with Peter on the roof receiving the vision. And the third scene, then, as Peter received that vision, the, the group coming from Cornelius, arriving at Simon the Tanner's house, and meeting Peter. And the fourth and final scene is back at Cornelius's house, where Peter speaks. We're not going to get into Peter's address this evening, just these four scenes. First of all, then, scene one is at Cornelius's home, Caesarea. Um, Here we have a man who is in an important position. He is a man of faith. 
And the main part of the scene is to do with the vision of the angel. The spirit is at work in this scene. And we want to think for a moment just a bit about Cornelius. First of all, think about his position. Cornelius and his position. He he is a man who is a Roman centurion. So he has those under his authority. A man clearly trusted by others. A man who will order others around. And there can be little doubt that part of the Italian regiment, he was an important official Roman, but he was also, as a Roman, a Gentile. He was also, for the Jew, a symbol of all that was wrong in their view. The Romans occupying their territory. These were the hated Roman overlords that they really would rather have had swept out of their country so that they could rule themselves. So Cornelius sums up those things as a man in that position. But the second thing we learn about Cornelius is he is a man of devotion. He he is a God-fearer. The Spirit of God is at work in this man. He is not yet a Christian, but he is worshipping the God of the Jews. He has left off the Roman means way of worship, where they worshipped different gods, maybe a number of different gods and idols. And he has embraced the God of the Jews. He has understood there is a God in heaven. And he has given himself to this God. He is active in seeking to do good before God. He prays often. He gives to the poor. He is a man who is doing all he can as far as he understands it to be a godly man. The term God-fearer very adequately really sums him up. He has come to fear the God of heaven and he is doing all he can to keep on the right side of God, to find favor with God. Such is the man that even the Jews have a good report of this centurion, Roman centurion. They recognize in him his concern for right religion. It's not just even Cornelius, his whole family are brought with him in this matter. He and his family are devout. A devout Roman soldier is therefore doing his utmost to please God, but there's something lacking. And the Spirit is at work in his heart and in his soul makes him conscious of the fact there must be more. And that brings us to that vision. And note when the vision comes. Cornelius is in prayer. He is seeking God in the only way that he knows how. And he is brought in the midst of that prayer to this vision. And just note the vision. We hear the story recounted as he seeks God, the angel comes. And the message could not be clearer. Cornelius, I I hear your cry. I hear your cry. I want you to send down to Joppa for Simon Peter. 
He's staying with Simon the Tanner. Bring him up. And the angel tells Cornelius that he is to hear what Peter would have to say. So here we have him led by the Spirit to understand that there's a message to be heard. And so we can just imagine the the cameras showing Cornelius in a flurry of activity, getting things ready and sending two servants and note a devout soldier. Even that tells us something about Cornelius. Those who were under him knew his God-fearing ways and had been influenced by him. The servants were influenced by him. They weren't going to question your mad sending down to Joppa for this Jew. What can he tell us? No. They knew the man. They knew his sincerity. His religion is not just personal and private. It does affect others. His family, his servants, and those who are in the regiment under him. They all knew what Cornelius is like, a man who fears God and a man who will deal fairly and justly. There is a lesson for us before we move from this first scene. And that is that surely if that is the case with a God-fearing man who yet does not know the whole rounded truth of the gospel, it's not a challenge to you and me. Fathers should be leading families to devout lives. Are you willing to say to those nearest and dearest to, to, to you that the Lord, He is God? He's the one you need. You must give Him devotion. Our Christian lives should influence not just our families, but those around us. Do they see you as someone of faith? Do your colleagues, do those you meet on the street or in the cafe know that you're a God-fearing, Christ-like person and that you will not be shy of speaking to them of Jesus Christ? Because Cornelius, with all that he was, showed that even though he was a God-fearer, not yet knowing perfectly the way of the Lord. But the Spirit is leading him And working in him. And that brings us to the second scene. Simon the Tanner's house. And Joppa. And you can imagine how a film director might play this. The the group have set off from Cornelius' house. And they might have them on their journey. And then it would flash over to Joppa, Peter, up on the roof. And we have another amazing scene. And again, the Spirit of God is at work. You can just imagine the camera zooming in. On this house by the water, Simon maybe out in the yard doing the work of a tanner. And there the figure on the roof bowing down in prayer and zooming into him. And then Peter, hungry, the meal, the smells of the cooking coming up from the kitchen. And as he hungers, he falls into a trance. The Spirit of God is at work in Peter's life too. He has known the Lord. He knows the gospel truth. But God has a message for him. And this sheet is let down with these animals, four-legged animals, reptiles, birds. And then the voice coming and saying to Peter something that is absolutely staggering. Peter, get up, kill and eat. And Peter is flummoxed. Why? 
because these are unclean animals. Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean. Do not call me anything impure. Do not let me ask me to eat the unclean thing. I've never done it. And as a Jew, he is completely at odds with what he's hearing. But the message is emphasized. God comes to him in verse 15 with very clear words. The Spirit of the Lord speaks a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And to emphasize the whole matter, the sheet comes to Peter three different times. And that is simply to say, this is what you need to do, Peter. This is sure and certain. Hear this message. You can just imagine how a fellow maker would, would plan that and show that three times, each time emphasizing more and more, Peter, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And Peter's standing there, or bowing there on the roof of the house. The wheels of his mind are turning over. He is trying to apply this thinking, Lord, what does this mean? The sheet, remember, has been whipped away back into heaven after the three appearances. And Peter is in the midst of pondering these very things Whenever he's told, actually, there's people coming to your house and you need to go with them. The servants of Cornelius. And you can imagine how a filmmaker might just pan down to the road and this group coming to the house. And Peter in the rooftop still wondering what's happening. But there are strangers at the door. And that brings us to what we might say is the third scene. And that is the arrival of the visitors. And Peter is very clear from the Spirit of God, I have to answer the door. I have to welcome these visitors. He's still pondering the message of the Lord. Do not call in. God is these people in. He hears their message. We were sent by Cornelius to bring you to speak to him. And how the Spirit of God is leading Peter step by step in his understanding. And Peter brings them in. And even as he's still pondering the word of the Lord, he comes and entertains these people. He hears they're from a God-fearing man. But he's not a Jew. He's a Roman. He's a Gentile. And they tell Peter how the angel appeared to Cornelius. They speak to Peter of what God, the Spirit, has been doing in their master's life. And that scene concludes with them there for the night. And the next day, the next morning, immediately Peter, obedient to God, continuing to move off with them back to Caesarea. We have a great advantage, of course. We know the whole story. We can see the lesson that has been taught. But before we come to Cornelius' house again, we need to take on board what God has said to Peter. You're not to call impure or unclean 
what I have called clean. And that's something we need to bear in mind. Sometimes we look at people and say, oh, God could never save them. Sometimes, staggeringly, God does save the worst of people. People who we think their lives are so black. Friends, there's none who are black, any blacker than us, than me or you. God, call them unclean. We're to preach the gospel and let the Lord work in their hearts. Let me just say that this should encourage in fellowship with God. We don't need an angel to come and speak words from heaven today. We have the whole counsel of God. The gospel tells us, go and preach the word. When you open the Bible and read that, this is the word of God. It is the message that people need to hear. It's a message that challenges our selfish sinfulness. Sometimes we want to keep it to ourselves wrongly. But it should be a delight to send it out to others. That brings us then with all of those thoughts in Peter's mind. Imagine him just walking along the road and he's still thinking about what the vision he's had. He's still thinking about the words of God. He's with these people who have come for him that God told him were coming. He's been led by the Spirit and he's on his way back to the home of Cornelius. And so he comes to that home in Caesarea and he arrives And again, you can just imagine how some filmmaker might uh, depict this. There's Cornelius sitting at home as the journey is ongoing. He's anxious. Lord, wonder what God, wonder what this man, Peter, is going to tell me. Lord, what more could there be? I've given my alms. I've kept my, my vows. I've given to the poor. I've done what I can. What will Peter tell me to do next? And then Peter arrives and knowing that this is a man sent of God, he bows down at Peter's feet. Something that Peter immediately corrects because he says, don't bow down to me. I'm merely a servant of God. He is but a man himself. He's saying to Cornelius, look, I'm really no different to you. Peter knew that he had a message from God for this man Just as he has received the message from God, so he must give it to Cornelius. Peter begins to explain how it was against the law for the Jew to associate with the Gentile or even visit him. He's saying to Cornelius, this is completely out of the bounds of the normality. But I've been led by the Spirit. God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. The penny has dropped. Peter has come to the conclusion that God wanted him to come to that this man may be a Gentile and a Roman but he is no more unclean than Peter was or any Jew was for that matter if God wanted him to come to faith. So Cornelius recounts the vision of the angel when Peter asks, why did you call for me? He looks for the background. What a tremendous audience Peter had that day. He 
has come among Gentiles. Something that broke the Jewish tradition. Here you see is a step change in the gospel going forth. It was to be proclaimed to men and women of all creeds, all backgrounds, all cultural strains. And Peter had learnt that there were none of them to be called unclean. They were all to be counted worthy of hearing that there is a Christ, Jesus Christ, who would forgive sin. Thus the word of God is now going to be made known to Jew and Gentile and and the gospel is going to expand out into the whole world because it's not the, uh, the preserve of any one group. What a great story this is. Devout man seeking to gain in knowledge. I wonder does that describe your spiritual life? Be devout, but do you desire to gain an understanding? Cornelius knew that knew there was more to learn. Well, we all have more to learn. We can all get to know Jesus better. We all need to come before him. Peter on the rooftop clearly shown that his Jewishness was being swept to the side and the message of the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, was a message for all. Peter coming, the rival of the delegation, humbly accepts God's direction. He is led by the Spirit. May you and I be enthusiastic to hear the message that God has to speak to us. Just imagine Cornelius that day. I'm sure he could hardly wait. He and in fact his whole household. What an audience Peter had there. They were all gathered and Cornelius was as a devout man gathered the morning. There's going to be a very important message brought to us and I want you all to be here to hear what Peter says when he comes for God told me to bring him. Surely they would have listened to Peter with great attention and expectancy wanting to hear what God had spoken. And I pray that we may listen intently. I pray too that the word of God on our hearts will be proclaimed clearly. It doesn't matter who you meet, their color of their skin, their background, their upbringing, whatever. They need to hear the message of the gospel. Whosoever is a wonderful word, Whosoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. But they need to hear the message. So it doesn't matter the physical condition, the financial condition, whatever the person has or doesn't have in this world, the Spirit has told us they need to hear of Jesus. Some think that they are rich because they have many things in this world, yet they're utterly in poverty because they know not the Lord and the Savior. Some are in poverty and count themselves to have treasures beyond measure because they know that Christ died for them. And it doesn't matter what their origins are, they are in Him, which is joy to their souls. So pray that we will be led by the Spirit. 
led in our spiritual lives to glorify God and exalt him in all our ways.